the Talent Experience Podcast featuring authentic conversations on the future of work. Empowering you to better understand and deliver a best-in-class, future-proofed career experience. For more insightful conversations, visit talentexperiencepodcast.com. We hope you enjoy this episode. Good day, it's Rhonda Taylor. We today will be discussing the talent experience and our guest today is Dr. Robin Erickson. And Robin, I'm gonna just say a few things about you, but I want you to add because you are such an incredible researcher in the analyst field of HR. And Robin has worked with uh, Deloitte Burson, uh, a long tenure there. And now she is with the conference board as a principal researcher. And her, work is really well respected. She has been very busy during COVID um, doing surveys and providing uh, lots of data reports on these surveys. And, you know, before we get talking about the topic of this session, I'm just going to say, welcome, Robin. And did I miss anything? So, uh, Rhonda, thank you so much for having me today. I'm thrilled to be here. And you hit the major highlights. Um, Just as a little bit more background on me, I actually spent the first 20 years of my career um, in management consulting as in this talent management space and um, took a break, went to get my PhD and uh, I'm very thrilled to be a research analyst at this point. I focus on multiple areas within HR, but the ones that I love the most are around the talent experience, employee experience, engagement, retention, um, also recruiting, uh, talent attraction. And um, I have done a lot of work during COVID-19, but I also wrote about two other uh, crises. The first was 9-11 and its effects on employees, all the layoffs that happened after that. And um, I wrote about the Great Recession as well. So this is the third worker crisis that I've had the opportunity to write about. And, you know, I neglected to to say that you are also a very well-published individual. You've had articles in uh, Forbes.com, the Deloitte Review, the Business Finance, uh, practically every HR publication, HR World Congress. So congratulations on having such a a track record with your writing capabilities. Well, thank you. It's, it's all about the survey research. And uh, I'm, very, I'm very blessed to um, have, uh, have this job where I get to look at what organizations are doing and then write about those findings to hopefully help other organizations. Okay. So today, Robin, um, we're going to talk about the most recent survey the conference board has just published, and it's called The Reimagined Workplace a Year Later. Human, ca- human capital responses to co- the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, first of all, before we talk about the meat and potatoes of this research, t- um, tell me how your team went about doing the research. Sure. Um, in April 2020, during the very early stages of the pandemic, uh, for those of you who remember, March 6th uh, was actually the last time I traveled for work. I was in New York City, and it was that day that the mayor of New York declared a state of emergency. State lockdowns started in mid-March, and the conference board was one of the first organizations to track 
human capital responses to COVID-19. In fact, we fielded a survey the last part of April, 2020, publishing our first report in May, 2020. And Rhonda, as you know, survey research doesn't typically move that fast, but we made sure that this survey report did because we knew that the data um, would be stale because so much was changing. But then six months later, we realized that COVID-19 was not going to be a short-lived crisis. So we repeated the online survey in September, 2020 and published those results in October. And then we realized, well, COVID-19 is still going on. So we, we conducted the online survey again in April and published our most recent report in May. And uh, so the third survey was conducted online between April 5th and April 16th and had 231 human capital leaders as respondents, mostly from large companies. And in several parts of our report, since this was the third time we've actually published the same survey, we are able to compare our April 2020, the September 2020, and the April 2021 survey results. Additionally, we also looked at two different types of organizations, those organizations that employ primarily professional and office workers, and those organizations that employ primarily industry and manual services workers. Wow. So now, now that we, we understand the, the process that you all went through, um, there was some incredible data came out of it. And, and, and before, you know, before we um, talk about everything, I just want to know what was the key takeaway? What was, what was something that really caught your attention? So, you know, I've been asked what's the, the newest news, so to speak, in this report. And I think the newest news um, is that employee well-being appears to be deteriorating. Um, we asked about employee well-being for the first time in our September 2020 survey. And in three areas, we've seen those numbers actually go down, um, specifically in terms of burnout, in terms of work-life balance, and in terms of uh, mental health. Uh, so uh, I think that that's probably the, the biggest piece of news. And I'd be happy to tell you more about that if you'd be interested. Well, yeah, because I, it's, it's, very tr it's very trending right now in HR departments. But you know, it's funny, um, the media doesn't want to talk about it. Oh, I, I completely understand that. And to tell you the truth, when I've been sharing this research with our members, they've, they've agreed that they are very concerned about employee well-being. Um, and, you know, we also believe that the negative results that we found are most likely related to increased anxiety and stress that result from many factors. You've got the global health crisis, the economic crisis that many people are still dealing with. We had a lot of political and racial unrest in the last 15 months. And a lot of people are still struggling with the lack of childcare. And we actually found that um, many organizations are reporting that the hours worked are longer for their employees. So just in terms of a couple of specifics, 76% um, of the organizations who responded to our survey said they'd seen an increase in the number of employees who identified as being burned out. 72% of those organizations said that the number of employees who sought mental health support had increased. 58% said that the number of hours worked had increased. We found that 30% of our respondents said that the number of sick days taken had increased. 
And 55% of the organizations reported that work-life balance had actually decreased since the onset of the pandemic. So I really think that as organizations are starting to think about their talent strategies as we go forward um, into what we do believe will be a hybrid workforce with a lot more remote work, that they need to be thinking about employee well-being. Yeah, and and of course with employee well-being being a number one issue in the workplace, which I really believe it's it's going to evolve to, um, it's going to create all kinds of um, ripple effects. Um, you know, and can you talk to about some of the ripple effects we're going to witness? Sure. Well, I think we're actually already starting to see some of those ripple effects. Um, we found that uh, the conference board actually predicted a year ago that we thought that remote work would be one would be one of the most significant legacies of COVID nineteen for organizations, and we believe that even more strongly now. Uh, finding that uh, a, um, that a large number of organizations believe that a large number of their employees will still be working remotely a, a year after COVID-19 has subsided. Specifically, um, we, we found that almost 40% of organizations think that 40% or more of their employees will be working remotely a year after COVID-19 has subsided. So um, we're gonna have these hybrid work models and we're starting to find that organizations that allow workers to have the flexibility of working remotely or working from the workplace, they're actually better able to retain employees and they're better, they're better able to attract employees. So this ability to be flexible uh, around remote work is actually, I think, going to be a pretty big uh, differentiator for organizations for part of their employee value proposition. Right, right. And I, I also, I think I read somewhere about with COVID, there was the drain on the, the nursing and the medical world. Now there's going to be new stresses and it's going to be on the mental health space. Yes. Um, did you guys discover anything or talk to, to that at all? So we actually wrote a report um, last fall on the effects of uh how organizations can deal with this increased anxiety. And I definitely, I mean, there's, there's statistics out there that show we do have a shortage of mental health workers right now here in the US. Um, and so, you know, our recommendation is that organizations think about resilience and how can you help your employees bounce back from the, this really traumatic event um, and it's not just the healthcare workers, it's all of those frontline workers who put their lives on the line to keep our economies moving, um, or the people who lost many loved ones to COVID. Um, I think, you know, organizations have had to rethink their bereavement policies um, because so many people had so many people around them lose their lives to COVID. And so I, I think we're gonna be feeling the effects of COVID-19 for a very long time around mental health and well-being. And so uh, definitely think that organizations need to be thinking about what they can do. They need to think about um, their employee assistance programs. Another suggestion that we have is that organizations be following a continuous listening program. Um, if they haven't already, uh, we found in our survey that the organizations that have surveyed employees in the last six months or more frequently 
Um, we found that 18% more organizations identified increased burnout when they surveyed employees than those that did not. We found that 22% more identified decreased work-life balance. And 22%, this one's really interesting, 22% fewer identified decreased employee engagement morale. So the very act of doing that surveying allows organizations to respond to what's going on with their employees and employee engagement increases as a result of that. Right. And you know, what's interesting that what you're saying there, um, we did a, we did a, did a paper on uh, titles of the future. Um, out of COVID, a lot of new titles have, have evolved. And who would have ever thought that a company would be hiring a director of well-being? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or I've got a report coming out in the next few weeks that looks at six lessons for organizations around organizational culture and employee experience. And one of them is to genuinely care about employees. Who would have ever thought a business report would say that the best way to increase your culture and your employee experience is to actually care about employees? Yeah. And saying that, we also we also see that companies are changing their dynamics in regards to addressing things that are coming out of the pandemic. Um, in fact, uh, t- I think it was today we, we saw an article from um, Apple where um, the Apple employees are saying, we don't mind working remote and, or going into the office, but we don't want to be dictated as to when we have to go into the office. And actually, I think in the article that came out that there, the, uh, there needs to be a level of caring for the employee. Hmm. Well, and there's also a new word that I learned recently called optionality. And the more optionality that uh, organizations can give their employees about when they return to the workplace, uh, the better off they'll be. And in fact, uh, when I was studying resilience, Um, There's some data that shows that if organizations give their employees the choice about when they return to the workplace, it actually decreases the level of anxiety of the employees because they have a little bit of control over when they can return. Right, right. We we spoke about uh, productivity a little bit, um, but I'd like to go back because it seems to be the root of a lot of problems. Um, and I could talk from my own, own self because as soon as the pandemic hit, I thought, okay, this is the time that we can turn on the jets to get the competitive edge and just work the long hours being strategic. And then, you know, all of a sudden, this wasn't a race. It became a marathon. And productivity changed. But there was that level of um, of frustration or, um, gee, am I doing enough? And, and did your survey uh, address that? Because I wonder, you know, if that is also part of the well-being problem that exists today. Oh, I definitely think it's part of the well-being problem. And um, I'll unpack that a little bit. Um, In our report, we asked the human capital leaders who responded um, whether or not they thought um, their their organization's productivity had uh, increased significantly, increased somewhat, decreased somewhat, or decreased significantly. 
And we found that the self-reported productivity has been increasing since our first survey in April, 2020. In fact, that number went up in September of 2020 and is actually now more than double last year. So for example, in April of 2020, only 23% of organizations thought their productivity had increased. That makes sense. That was only a, a couple months into the pandemic. People didn't know if they were gonna make their numbers. They didn't know if this remote work brand experiment would work. They were Many of them were still trying to get their employees connected, right? They didn't all have laptops, all of that. But by September, um, organizations knew. These, H, these human capital leaders knew whether or not they were gonna make their productivity. And so I think I just said that 23% thought their productivity had increased in April, 2020. Well, that number is more than doubled. Um, by April, 2021, 59% of the surveyed organizations think their productivity has increased. But, and this is a pretty big but, um, simply because employees who were often confined to their homes uh, because of quarantines or lockdowns, um, and they worked longer hours. We know they worked longer hours from the data that I mentioned earlier. Um, it doesn't mean that in this increased productivity should be looked at only in a positive light because um, it, we do think that the increased hours worked and perhaps, I mean, while affecting productivity, it's also causing um, a decrease in employee well-being. Um, and like you said, this level of performance is likely unsustainable and the impact on worker well-being has yet to be fully realized. And then last but definitely not least, it's hard to know which changes in productivity are attributable to the fact that employees were working from home or that they were working in an economic crisis and were worried they would lose their jobs or if it's because um, they thought that the company might not was going to falter, might not be successful. And so everybody's like trying to save the Titanic, right? Everybody was pitching in in order to make sure that the ship didn't go down. Um, and, you know, as I mentioned, the uh, our, our survey said that 76% of the organizations that responded said that the number of employees who identified as being burned out had gone up. And I, I think that number might be low because how often do you want to talk to your supervisor about being burned out? Um, or an HR leader. So I, I really think that organizations need to be thinking about what is sustainable, what is not sustainable. And like I said, I think that if organizations haven't already started doing regular surveying of their employees, they should. I also think that organizations need to ensure that their managers are talking to each employee one-on-one -on -one about their workloads, about their level of burnout, and uh, then distilling that information up toward the, up to the uh, C-suite. Right, now, and, and in these discussions, the discussions have changed now. Um, before we just talked about, you know, productivity and, our, and, and, and the demands of work. But now, you know, you have to care. You have to care about the daycare issues. Um, you know, uh, if they're the sandwich generation, they're taking care of seniors, you know. Um, or as you said, you know, the, the, the um, number of families that got hit numerous times during the pandemic with losing someone. It's, it's a whole different way of looking at the employee now. Yeah, one of the things that's been interesting to me, having been able to write about multiple crises, is that the Great Recession that started in uh, 2007, 2008, 
um, really was all about the finances and whether or not an organization was successful. Um, and it went on and on and on. Um, you know, the great, who knows exactly when the Great Recession ended, but it was at least four or five years. Um, but the focus was on the financial uh, success. For COVID, I think um, the focus has been on employees and whether or not they've had what they needed. There's this organizational crisis. I call it crisis goodwill. Organizations have it. Um, in the beginning of a crisis, organizations, managers don't say to their teams, have you made your number? Have you done what you needed to do yet? Have you met your goals? They say, hey, is there, are you okay? Is there anything you need? Um, and we, we all know about the supply chain challenges that we've had. But, um, and, and you also had coworkers saying, oh, I understand that, that you know, Jim has to take care of young kids at home. So I'm going to pitch in and I'll help cover for him. Um, but you know, that, that crisis goodwill, no, none of us have ever experienced a crisis that's gone on for 15 or 16 months um, the way this one has. And I think it's, organizations are starting to have to think about, well, what are we going to do for those workers who are being paid full-time and not being able to work full-time? Uh, so there's, there's just been an awful lot of, of stress and anxiety, like we, you were saying. And um, I do believe that, uh, that they're due to many factors. Right, right. One more item before we're getting near the end, but I, I have to have you address the, the recruitment and retention, because everybody is saying that once the ships are sailing, the pandemic's behind us, there's going to be um, a major migration. What did your, what did your uh, survey say? Our survey said that the exact same thing that um, actually right now, that, that not even in the future, but they said that right now, um, so 80% of the surveyed organizations uh, who employ mostly industry and manual services workers say that it's difficult to find qualified workers. Um, only, that's only 60% in the organizations that employ mostly professional and office workers, but that's still pretty high. Um, and um, they, similar results, 49% of the organizations that employ mostly industry and manual services workers say that they find it difficult to retain workers. Um, and 20% less say that of the professional and office workers. So um, that I think your prediction around uh, the great migration um, or a resume tsunami or uh, the great resignation, whatever we wanna call it, um, I, I, I think it's actually already started. And uh, that's going to make it very interesting for organizations. Um, again, we did find that more organizations are willing to hire remotely, to hire workers to be 100% remote. Um, and that might be end up being a good differentiator for them as they start to think about, well, how can we find more employees, better employees, um, if, they, if they don't have to be tied to one geographical location, they may be able to expand their labor pool. Right. And Robin, you know, we're, we're getting close to the end. And I have to ask you the, the question we uh, all presenters um, are given. And it's, you love what you do. And you're excellent at it. What keeps Dr. Robin Erickson performing at 150% day after day um, in the position that you're in with the conference board? Uh, I think it's I think it's two things. Um, I do believe in the mission that the conference board has, which is to provide insights for 
uh, organizations for how uh, they can help solve some of their biggest issues. Uh, and uh, in terms of personally, I, I feel like I found my vocation. I spent the majority of my life as a consultant. And um, when I saw academia, um, I, I, I never really saw the appeal for myself of trying to solve problems outside of the workplace, but I get to have the best of both worlds. I get to use survey, use academic survey research methodology and try to solve real world, pro real world problems and actually help organizations as they think about some of these issues. And so uh, I feel like I have uh, found the, uh, the best job in the world for me. It sure sounds like it. And you sure do your job as though you love it. So this is Rhonda Taylor saying goodbye, stay true to the future, sun is getting better. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Talent Experience Podcast. For more talent experience and future of work conversations, visit talentexperiencepodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter at TalentXPodcast. Or join the conversation with hashtag Talent Experience Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, or Twitter. The Talent Experience Podcast was brought to you by the fabulous Fuelies at Fuel 50.